Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Really have, uh, there, there's two emphasis in this passage. <clears throat> uh, as the uh, verses were selected, obviously, uh, this one is about sowing and reaping. Uh, notice with me, if you would, <clears throat> verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. It's sort of an illusion. Now, notice in the outline, uh, number one, Roman number one, it's all about sowing and reaping in chapter 11, okay? Uh, it's about sowing and reaping. It's about um, a, a joyful spirit whenever all is going on up and down. And those two things are really, uh, are, I want to just speak to you tonight about those two things, sowing and sowing and reaping, and you sow what you're going to reap. If you don't sow anything, you won't reap anything. And this is, notice A in the outline, verse 1 is an allusion <clears throat> to sowing rice and water and tromping it down. If you sow good seed and a lot of seed, you'll reap a good future harvest. So what happens is, is uh, they get out there and they put the seed in. Uh, you throw that rice out there. Sometimes they would have animals that walk through it, and they would tromp that seed down deep into the waters. And as the waters begin to recede a little bit, the rice comes up. Well, it's, a, it's sort of a, a, an illusion of that, cast thy bread upon the waters. Notice, if you would, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, now, folks, listen tonight. The Bible said in, in Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. So you and I sow things. Now, I want you to notice, sowing is planting something. If you lose your temper, you're planting <clears throat> temper. In your family, people around you, you're planting temper. If you plant grace, if you plant forgiveness, you're going to reap grace and forgiveness. If you plant joy, you're going to reap joy. And notice he says, look, it's a principle in Scripture. Cast thy bread, cast that which brings sustenance upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, he's trying to say, look, you can throw bread in the water and it'll sink down. And it, it, as it gets wet, it sinks down. It doesn't stay on the top. And so you throw seed on the water and it brings forth fruit. Now, notice, being the outline, sowing good always comes back in the end because God promises it. So he said, look, cast your bread. Cast that which is good for you. Now, now listen very carefully. Everybody in this room uh, we eat, bread means the food that we eat. It's a symbol for the, what we have. It's a symbol of what we eat, and it's a symbol of uh, the possessions that we have. <clears throat> and, and let me give you an example. <clears throat> um, how many of you here Sunday night and you saw those children as their eyes were just lit up? Um, Brother Brandon took them out after dinner, and uh, uh, they, had their, they had their camo on, uh, they had their hats on, uh, they, had their, 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 they had a couple of them got some knives that they liked, they had their knives in their pockets, uh, they had candy in their pockets. I mean, uh, it was like Christmas had come. 
Now, that helps a missionary's child that in months to come is going to be in a foreign land, and they're going to have friends, but they're going to know that there were people in America that love them and are willing to help them. They never get over that. And if you're here tonight, uh, you can't keep what you've got and just put your arms around it and say, it's mine. He's trying to say in this psalm, I mean, in this, in this passage in, in, in Psalm 126, and in this passage, cast what you have on the water and it'll come back to you. Learn to be giving. That's this whole passage. Solomon was so rich. He was the richest man to ever live. But does anybody remember when he came time to die and his son took over for him, what did the people that he was supposed to serve say to his son? Ease the taxes and we'll serve you. He got rich by charging, not giving. And you and I, he's, this is the same man and he's learning the lesson. He's saying, look, I made some mistakes, but his son didn't learn from his mistakes. He's saying, cast your bread on the water and it will return to you. Now notice in the outline, uh, be sowing good always comes back. When you and I are complimentary, when we're kind, when we're gracious, it comes back to us. If you sow bitterness and if you sow anger and you sow frustration, it'll come up in your children. If you sow criticism, your children will criticize you in the end. What you sow comes back to you. And we all have to remember that. You cannot forget that everybody, everything that you do, all of your works are seeds. And when you plant them, when you give them out, they're going to come back to you. So if you plant graciousness and you plant goodness, and if you plant kindness, it's going to come back to you. But if you and I are, are gruff and we're short-tempered and we're frustrated and we have a little bit of possession and we keep it all to ourselves, then people are not going to give back to us. People are not going to be gracious to us. And that's what he's trying to get us to understand. Notice, if you would, verse 2, give a portion to seven, also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil thou shall be upon the earth. You learn to give to people, and if there ever comes a time when you have a need, people will come to your aid. Uh, how many have ever uh, seen the the, the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Well, uh, that's a perfect example of chapter 11. He was good to people. He was good to this person, good to that person. When he had a need, they all came to his aid. But you know what? He was shocked. We don't think that people notice over time the kindnesses and the goodnesses that we do. But people do notice but the king of kings notices, and he says, I will bring it back to you later on. Your grandchildren will be gracious. Your children will be gracious. If you're gracious, if you criticize people, they'll criticize people. 
Everybody in this room, we're planting seeds everywhere we go. If you're, um, if somebody comes up to you and says, uh, hi, Brother Joseph, hi, then you're planting seeds, and those seeds will come back. If you're warm and friendly and kind and gracious, those seeds will come back to you. Notice, if you would, in verse 3, I, I like this verse, I like this example, See uh, in the outline, never cease giving because anyone could be in need in the future. That was verse 2. You don't ever want to stop being generous. You don't ever want to stop giving compliments. You don't ever want to stop just uh, being gracious with what you have. Now, folks, I'm not saying that you uh, give all you have away. The Lord never asked for that. Uh, we might be doing that some. The widow that gave the two mites gave everything, but the Lord didn't ask for it. He just said, look, you and I give 10% an offering, and, and that's all I ask for. Uh, that's the command. But you and I can give and give and give, and God will bless us. Remember this. If you give a spoonful of sugar, God's got a bigger spoon than you and I do. If you give a spoonful of kindness, he's got a bigger shovel to give back to you with kindness. Now, we don't give to get. We give because we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to plant seed. We're trying to sow the right works. Every work that you do is a seed. If you're thoughtful of someone, that's a seed. If you're kind to someone, that's a seed. Now, folks, tonight, everybody in this room, uh, you are sowers. You may not realize it, but everybody in this room is a sower. It, notice, if you would, in verse number three, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree falls, uh, toward the south, the north, and the place where the tree falls, there it shall be. He's trying to say to you and I, uh, remember, you see clouds and you gain hope that it's going to rain. In, in Africa, when they see a cloud come up, uh, all of a sudden they begin to think maybe it's going to rain because it doesn't rain much. And when the clouds come over and they get dark and thick, everybody gets excited because it's going to rain and the crops will grow. Now, you and I don't think about that. But in Africa, if it doesn't rain, they don't eat. And I've been over there from time to time on trips where I have seen people climb up, the people have climbed up in the trees, and you can see, uh, ask the missionary, what's wrong with those trees? There's no leaves. They said, well, they climbed up in the tree, and they took the leaves off, and they boiled them. That's all they had to eat, Pastor. So you and I don't realize what it means for a drought in a foreign country because they rely upon what they plant to come up. And he says, look, a cloud comes by and it drops down rain. Well, notice in the outline, D, we should act like the clouds to give as the rain clouds do rain. At times they pour rain on us. What would we do without the clouds? And that's his example here. Notice in verse 3, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. You and I are to be like clouds. We're to be like a sower with our bread and cast it upon the water. He's trying to get us to understand. You're a sower. 
Everybody in this room. There are people that come to church discouraged. There are people that come to church exhausted. And they come in hopes that maybe the Lord would encourage their heart. And, you know, the Bible says that in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, 13, you and I are to encourage one another. And that is sowing and others are reaping. You and I learn to be a rain cloud that we can rain our kindness on everybody. We can rain our sweetness, our warmth. It's good to have you tonight. Um, uh, A warm smile. The countenance shows the heart. And if you and I have seeds of goodness in our heart, it shows on our countenance, or it's supposed to. And you and I learn to be a good sower. Notice, if you would, in verse 4. Now, this is, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to illustrate this so that you understand it. Uh, notice uh, number 4, verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You know what he's saying? If you... You sit in your house, and all of a sudden the wind is blowing. You say, well, the wind's blowing too much. I can't sow my seed right. It's an excuse. Well, if it's a little cold out there, I don't think I want to plant today. Notice the outline. We can't be lazy. E, we don't observe the wind and say it's too windy to sow, or it might rain, so I can't reap today. And that's what he's trying to say. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. I think that's a rain cloud. It's probably going to rain, so I'm not going to go. We've had workers that would look at the weather forecast, say it's supposed to rain today, and not show up. And it didn't rain. Now, that's exactly what he's talking about. Only he's trying to spiritualize it and say, look, You and I can't have excuses for not raining on people. We cannot have excuses for not raining our good works in other people's lives, for not sowing the seeds that God wants us to. We cannot cannot stop passing out tracts. That's a seed. We can't stop giving a compliment to someone, being gracious to someone. It's a seed. And he's saying it's too easy to be lazy. Ah, looks like it might rain today. How many of you have ever looked at a cloud and said, looks like it's going to rain today, and maybe you took an umbrella with you, or you took a raincoat with you, and it didn't rain? Well, uh, that's okay. You were prepared. But what he's saying is you don't do anything because you think it might this, it might that. I'm not going to say anything at work because somebody might get mad. Uh, They they might not want me to to say anything to them. They might not want me to ask them to church. They might not want me to to brag on the Lord a little bit. You know, I had a a good day yesterday. Uh, You know, the Lord did this or the Lord did that. And I'm going to give you an example. The other day, I was walking out on the soccer field, the new one. 
um, that's not finished yet. And I was walking with the builder. And as we were walking, uh, he said, you know, I don't know why anybody, any builders don't want to work with churches. He said, it's like something good happens if you do. You know what he was saying? It's like, you know, it's like there's somebody watching out for this church. He said, you know, I've gotten so many jobs off of this building. He said, I got a daycare to build. I got another church to build. He said, I, 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 the, the company that you're put, that putting in your, your, your turf field, they asked me to do all their fields in the area. He said, this has been the best job I've ever had. And you know what he's saying? He's enjoyed working with us. He came to church the day we opened. He said, wow, got good people. You're planting seeds. If you come to a visitor and you encourage them and invite them to come back, you're planting seeds. Folks, Jesus is coming back one of these days. I don't know when. But there's a last soul to be won. And you and I want to be sowing until he comes. Notice, if you would, after the outline, we don't know the way of God's Spirit or the ways a child grows, and so we don't know the works of God. In verse 5, he says, look, as thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. We don't know the way the Spirit of God's working in our lives. Notice, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. We don't know how a child grows. I mean, you, you see an expectant lady, and she's three months, and you can't tell. Five months, you can't tell. Seven months, she begins to show. Nine months, uh, uh, oh, I can't wait. You know what? You can't, anybody here say, I know how those bones grow. God does that. And he says this. You don't know how God's growing you, but he is if you're planting. He said, you don't know the way of the Spirit. Now, sometimes you'll notice, if you would, <clears throat> uh, we don't know that how, we don't see how God's working in our lives. Um, I, like I said before, my grandmother used to quilt quilts, and she had a big table, and she had it all laid out there. And, and she, they didn't have a lot. <clears throat> they had a 120-acre ranch farm, cattle and horses, and they were rich to me. Um, but, but, you know, they, they got their own eggs, and they, you know, they raised their, their, their cattle. And, and uh, uh, you know, they had farmed an acre garden. How many of you know how big an acre is? That is a big garden. I mean, you go out there and you plant water. They had one watermelon patch that was an acre of ground. I'm telling you, they didn't have any problem with food. And so I, I can, I'd crawl underneath my grandmother's uh, uh, quilting rack, and she would take cloth from a shirt she made 
and you get apparently different angles of cuts or from a skirt that she made, different angles of cuts. And she would take those different angles and she would cut them up and she made one with wedding rings of different colors. It was a gift to me at my wedding. But I would crawl underneath there as a kid and look up and I'd say, Grandma, this is an awful mess underneath here. Because you know, I saw the underside. I could see all of those threads underneath it and they, they didn't look right. They were different colors. And look on the top and I said, wow, that's pretty, Grandma. And then she'd stuff it and then she'd put something on the backside and then she'd sew it again. And I'm telling you, they were beautiful quilts. Probably would sell for 800 to 1,000 bucks a piece. But I couldn't tell what she was doing. She was a master at quilting. You and I have a father that's master at building his children. But he does not say to us, I'm going to make Dave Pittman this, whether he likes it or not. I have to yield to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit changes me into his image. And the Holy Spirit is working in my life. You and I don't know the ups and downs in life of where God is working in our lives. That's the reason he said, look in verse number uh, 5 at the very end of it. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. But you know one thing. Well, you know two things. Number one, he loves you. And he doesn't make any mistakes. You know those two things. So you can learn to trust him. Now, notice with me, if you would, uh, in a G in the outline, we are to sow our seed, work diligently, and leave our prosperity to the Lord. He loves us and will do what's best for us. Look at verse 6. In the morning, sow thy seed. In the evening, withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper. You don't know if that seed's coming up, but God is the one that brings forth fruit, not us. But he says, if you sow enough seed and you sow regularly, you're going to bring forth fruit and you're going to be prosperous. He promises to bless the man, the woman that is faithful to sow the right seed and does it consistently. He said, you sow that bread on the water, it's going to come back to you. I promise. You know, I, I was always amazed with my grandfather. Uh, we would go out and plant seed. <clears throat> if we planted kernels of corn, peas never came up. When we planted peas or green beans, uh, we never had okra come up. My grandfather could always tell me, son, over here we're going to plant some okra. We're going to have three rows of okra. And boy, I tell you what, uh, fried okra was out of this world. Oh, man. And the corn on the cob, we'd take, shuck it off and take that corn on the cob and, oh, it was heavenly. Um, even green beans. How many ever snapped green beans? I didn't even know you did that. I just thought you ate them. But you have to snap them off and you put them in the pot and they cook them. Oh, my grandmother could make all kinds of things like that. It was wonderful. 
Uh, uh, now, now, listen very carefully. But my grandfather would have a row here of oak, a row there, of, uh, and he knew where everyone was. And you know what? When you saw a row of kindness, you know that's coming up. How did my fa- grandfather know that those seeds would always come up? Because God promised. If you sow good seed, it will always come up. That is a promise of God. In the farmer's life, oh, sure, things come up. There are testings. Maybe the, it comes up and a worm gets in it and it destroys a crop. That does happen. But God is working in your life. He's working in my life. He's trying to build us. He's trying to teach us to trust him. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn me, if you would, uh, to Mark chapter 4. Very quickly, Mark chapter 4. I want you to notice this. I want you to see it. Uh, I shared it the other night at at, uh, a Bible study uh, over at Fifi's uh, uh, and and Sayings uh, home. And notice, if you would, in verse number 35 of Mark 4, the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over into the other side. Jesus included himself. And you know what was coming? Look, if you would, in verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind. So Jesus knew the storm was coming. He said, let us go over. We're going to go into the storm together. And so you and I can learn that God had a purpose for this storm. Now look down, if you would, verse number 39. Uh, in verse 38, the last phrase, it said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? That's the most foolish question that a, a Christian could ever ask. Lord, don't you care about me? Hey, folks, he sent his only son to die for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He couldn't give more. So you and I, as a Christian, can never say, Lord, dost thou not care about me? Yes, we're in storms, but he's always there with us. And what is he trying to teach us? To learn to trust him, to have faith in him. You have difficulty in a family situation. Learn to trust him. Do the right seed. Plant seed. Now, the one thing, when I would go to my grandfather's, uh, he would, we would plant the seed, and I would say, okay, granddad, uh, when is it going to come up? And I would go out there the next day, <clears throat> the day after that, nothing. My grandfather would say, son, grandson, be patient. I don't want to be patient. I want to plant the corn and zoop and get corn off of it. It doesn't happen that way. You plant grace and kindness, it doesn't just, whoop, come back to you. But if you plant enough good seed, it always comes up. It'll come up in the sweetness of your children. It'll come up in the kindness of people at work. It'll come up with the way people treat you because you're doing the right thing. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 40, and he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus didn't understand when he was with them why they worried about anything. He, went up, he was asleep. 
proof he didn't worry. The storm was raging. He comes up on the deck of the boat and says, peace, be still. And the calm, and they looked at each other and says, who is this that controls the wind and the sea? He is your Savior and mine. And he never leaves us. And he asks us to do something. Trust him in the storm. But constantly cast your bread upon the waters. Constantly give. Constantly sow your good seed. Now, folks, if you're losing your temper and you're uh, cursing people out, you're not going to bring forth good seed. And so you and I have to learn that if we sow good, good comes back. Now, notice with me, if you would, in the outline very quickly. I want you to just notice <clears throat> Um, uh, look, look over at Ecclesiastes 11. Um, you'll see Roman numeral 2. Truly life is and can be sweet and pleasant if we do right and work faithfully. Okay, we have a responsibility, but we must remember the hard and dark times. We must dwell on the good and be joyful in the Lord. Now look at verse number uh, 7. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. He said, beautiful days are joy. They bring joy. Notice, he says this, but if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet that let him remember the days of darkness, because they are many, for there shall be many. And notice, if you would, in verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart in the sight of thine eyes. You know what he's trying to say? Look, learn to live joyfully. Look over, if you would, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9. <clears throat> live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy vanity. Look, learn to enjoy the people around you, especially your husband and your wife. Learn to enjoy. Plant good seed. If you're complimentary of your wife, if you're complimentary of your husband, if you're good to your husband, if you're good to your wife, and you say, I'm going to be happy. Folks, it's a mindset. If you're always sad and downtrodden, it, it's not going to bring forth good fruit. He's trying to get us to Live joyfully with the wife. Look, notice what he says in verse number, in verse number eight, uh, verse number nine. Rejoice, O young man. Learn to rejoice in thy youth, so when you get older, you're not bitter and angry and old grumpy. Uh, you know, as you get older, you're you're just grumpy and miserable to be around. There, everybody can be that way. That's natural, but it's supernatural to be joyful. That only comes in the image of Christ. And the Holy Spirit has to do it through you. So you and I have to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We have to say, Lord, I can't be joyful, but you help me to be. And he'll strengthen you. Christians have to trust the Lord. And you have to sow good things. If you sow joyfully, you sow joy when you're young, when you get older, it's a habit. 
Everybody here in this room, you have habits. You've done the same thing over and over again. Those habits bring forth fruit. If you, uh, I'll give you an example. Brother Brandon's not in here. Um, Brother Brandon loves the Washington Redskins or the Commanders or whatever you want to call them. And so he loves them. So you know what he does? He's got two boys and a girl. And so I I asked him, I said, look, would you like to come over um, uh, to my house? The Cowboys are playing the Redskins. And he said, yeah. And I said, we'll watch it on television together. And, And I was just inviting him over to my house. Well, you know what? His dad said, can I come? That was when his dad was alive. I said, sure. So his dad comes in, and he's full redskin garb. Brandon, full redskin garb. His boys, full redskin garb. And they come in. How did they get that? Father, grandfather, father, son. They all talked good about the redskins. They're a bad team, but they talk good about them. And so they just raved about them and prayed about them. And, boy, and you know, the Cowboys put a knot on their head, and I didn't have to say a word. I was sitting there. They all left like, every one of them, they all left like this. Grandfather, Brandon, uh, all the other boys. I mean, it's like, it's a habit. It, 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 it passes down. Now, they like the Redskins just like we like the Cowboys and and, you know, it's a fun thing for us. It's a family thing. Uh, and a fan is a fan whether you win or lose. It's easier to be a fan if you're winning. But, look, you, you have to learn to have habits that are good ones. You, you learn the things that you like your children are going to like, good or bad. Um. Uh, let me, anybody here, you've noticed that you like something and your kids like it too? And your family likes it too? Okay. If you like to be good to people, your kids would like to be good to people. You're sowing seeds. Everybody in this room. My father walked out on my mother, but my mother Never once talk bad about him. So guess what? I, 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 didn't, I didn't talk bad about him. Now, I, I didn't want to be like him. I loved him. And I, I learned lessons about him that I want to be like. But I would have never been asked to have the funeral of my father if my mother would have ran my dad down. Because I would have said, oh, my dad this and my dad that. And he's a lousy this. But you know what? My mother, if she couldn't say something good, she didn't say anything. And the end result was, if I, you know, I just kind of learned from my mom. So my dad said, son, would you preach my funeral? Sure, dad. And I got that from my mother. Her goodness came to my heart. Now, her example And her good works caused me to say, I want to be like that. I want to be honest. I want to be truthful. I want to be good to people and not good to me. And so the, the pattern of good works is transferable. It's seeds. Notice quickly, if you would, A, 
Now, notice in the outline, we will stand before God to receive our rewards, so we must keep it in mind as an incentive to do right. Look at verse 9. But know the last part, of, but know thou for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So you don't have to be happy and joyful, but you're going to give an account for it one of these days. You don't have to plant good things, but you're going to give an account one of these days. Now, notice very carefully. Let me make sure everybody understands one thing. At the judgment seat of Christ, all of your bad things and your sins are gone. Why? Jesus paid for them. They're gone. So only what's left you're going you're gonna to face. But if you don't have but three stalks of corn, how are you going to feel? If you only have a few good deeds in the book that's written about your life, how are you going to feel? He's saying, look what he says. Look in verse 9. He said this, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. He's not going to rant and rave on how lousy you were, but how do you praise somebody that's got three stalks of corn in 70 years to live? All of us so generously use your money as seed. Be good to people. Be kind to people. Represent Jesus Christ. Live joyfully. Wear a smile on your face. <clears throat> Look, I wish I could tell you I always did that. But every morning I get up and I start thanking the Lord for all these things, and I start out good. How many of you are start out good? Okay? And then, you know, the world hits. So the idea is, look, I want to go through the world, and the storm is there because Jesus is with me. So I want to trust him for all good things. He said, Lord, I know you're going to take care of it. Now, notice with me, if you would, quickly. Be in the outline. We need to be very careful of allowing sorrow into our hearts. Look at verse 10. Therefore, remove sorrow from thine heart and put away evil from thy flesh. He said, look, I want to I teach you, you can't allow sorrow to get to your heart. You can't allow evil to get into your life. You can't allow it. If you do, it's going to ruin your joy. And he said, but I'll help you, the Lord says. Notice, see in the outline, the Lord desires us to dwell on the good things of life and live joyfully. That's his desire for us. We know he loves us and is preparing for us a great future with him. Folks, you know the end. Hey, I, you know, I, I want to tell you the truth. I'm going to close with this, okay? Um, I record all the cowboy games that I can. Because you may know why. What's that? I'm at church. Yeah, that's one reason. I'm usually at church when they play. But can you think of another reason? I, 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 if they lose, I don't want to watch it. So I wait till I hear the score. If they win, I'm ready to watch. It's family night. Let's have a good time. We're going to sit down and watch the Cowboys win. Now, let me tell you something. You and I, we know we're going to win. We know the end result. We're going to heaven. 
We've got the rabbit in the sack, folks. Let's live like we know that. That's why he said, look, live joyfully because heaven is yours. The Christian should be the happiest guy on earth. He should be sowing the seeds of life. Yes, we are people of wisdom and and caution and, and grace and mercy, but we know who has our future in the palm of his hand. You should be very happy tonight if you know Christ as Savior because you know the end. And the end is one of these days, he's going to blow a trumpet and come and get us. And we're home for all eternity. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there he may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I want you to be with me. Where I am, you can be also. Folks, we know the last part of the book. You know that the Cowboys won, so you can watch the game. You know that the Christian is one, so you can go through life saying, I know the end. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to win. They get beat by the worst teams in the league, and they beat, uh, they can't beat the best teams in the league, so I don't know if they're going to win or lose. But I know as a Christian, I know heaven's mine, and so do you. Let's sow good seed tomorrow so we know we can rejoice with reaping the harvest. Let's bow forward to prayer tonight. Ask the pens to come and just play a verse of invitation hymn. And maybe you need to come and just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I've had a rough week, or, or Lord, I, I don't have much joy. Would you restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, Psalm 51. Folks, let's purpose in our heart to sow good seed this week. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight. In your name we pray, amen.